Let's just go live and see. Oh my God, we're live. Holy crapola. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Hello, 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 boys and girls. I'll give you a few minutes to get on because I know that we go on right at seven o'clock Pacific Standard Time here for you. But if you're watching this on the replay, let's do the proper introduction. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Raw and Unscripted Show with yours truly, Christopher Roush, the place where I help you overcome your self-created crap without the self-help fluffy bullshit. And today we have a magnificent guest for you, which I will be introducing her just very shortly. But meanwhile, while we get people here on the feed and checking this out, I just want to publicly acknowledge those of you who have been writing into the show uh, and giving me your show ideas and giving me your feedback on the shows. I really, truly appreciate that. You know, obviously, it's everything's always a work in progress. So any any insights or any suggestions that you have for the Raw and Unscripted show um, is truly appreciated. You guys can send those to me privately through Facebook. Or you, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can send it to me, Christopher at ChristopherRoush.com. But truly appreciate it. We've got some great show ideas coming up based on your recommendations. Uh, so we're going to be tackling those. And uh, in the spirit of what's up, Ray? Good evening, sir. Good to see you. Um, you know, that's what we're here to do. We're here to serve. You know, it's it's personal development. It's motivation. It's it's educational. It's thought provoking. It's spiritually enhancing. That's what we do here. And equally enough, that's what we do on our Friday night live shows with Scott Goyette is we're just trying to bring you the information that you need to know right now, the conversations that you need to know right now, the people that you need to know right now, we're trying to bring those people to you so that you can heal, you can understand, and you can learn, and you can grow quicker than if we weren't bringing those individuals to you or if we were just talking by ourselves. So, um, you know, it's just, it's a really cool thing that, you know, there's a lot of people in this world who are putting forth a lot of great effort. And unfortunately, the news media uh, and the politicians always focus on what is going on negatively. So that's my job is to be able to put a spin on whatever is, quote unquote negative and or be able to help inspire you to think differently about your past, present and your future to get you out of your comfort zone and into living life. And my guest tonight, uh, Serena Buffalino is an example of that. She is such an amazing soul. And I only have had that opportunity to meet her earlier uh, or later last week and through a, a mutual uh, friend of ours introduced us and immediately on the conversation we just clicked you know when you meet somebody and you see that fire and you see that passion you see that authenticity you see that congruency you see that heart of somebody that's what you're going to see in my guest tonight i mean we're going to talk about a range of, of different topics we're going to explore talking about at-risk kids so if you have kids at home you're dealing with troubled teens you know there's some be some information there for you on that we're also going to be talking about humanity and the things that we can do globally in order to make a, a bigger dent in what it is that we need to do for the world that we're going to leave for our kids that's super important um you know we're going to be talking about uh what we can do personally in our own lives to enrich our everyday moments because you guys have heard me talk about that time and time again the moments are all we have and so when you string those moments together and if you're in those moments when you're in those moments that's what makes a kick-ass life that's what makes a beautiful life that's where you can lay your head on the pillow at night and think you know what i really enjoyed this day you know it had ups and downs but through it all i enjoyed the moments of this day because i was present i wasn't thinking about my past i wasn't thinking about the future i can't control i was actually in the moments with with my kids, with my friends, with my husband, with my wife, whatever, whoever it might be, you know, we're going to be talking about that as well, because the, again, the purpose of this show is to be bringing, um, yeah, Serena is amazing. I know. Good evening, Larry. Good evening, Cindy. Good to see you guys. Um, so without any further ado, I please help me in welcoming to the show, to the raw and unscripted show, Serena Buffalino. Serena, how are you doing tonight? Yay. I'm, I'm super excited to be here. I am so grateful and, and just so happy to share my story with your audience. And as you were saying, um, 
Chris and I just met a few days ago and I've kind of been stalking you for the last couple of days, which I don't normally do. And in everything that you're posting, everything that you're saying, I feel like we are kindred spirits um, because our journey is so similar and our mission in life to help others and, and to spread positivity and, and truth, um, more importantly, is um, something I'm so passionate about. So I'm just really grateful to be here uh, and to, to see how this goes. So thank you. You are most welcome. It's not, it's not uncommon for me to have stalkers, so it's okay. Just as long as, you know, it wasn't anything super creepy, like you sat out in front of my house or something like that, but no, that's totally understandable. And I appreciate that. Thank you. It's, it's been a journey for me to be this congruent, to be this authentic, to do the, do just be me, but have that central message in my heart of what it is that I want to accomplish while I'm here. So thank you for that. I really appreciate it because it all comes from the heart and um, you know, that's what I'm so proud of. And that's what I appreciate about you. Just in those few minutes we talked, it was like, okay, I don't want to talk anymore because I want to get this out here on the show and have that, that excitement and to have that uh, adventure with you. So thank you so much. Um, so what were you, you're, you're in Toronto, Canada, right? Yes, I am. Okay. Awesome. Um, cause I've been talking to people all over the world and just talking about, you know, at the time of this taping right now, we're going through COVID-19. Um, we've been going through it since March and it is now June 23rd, I believe as of this taping June 23rd, 2020. So obviously that has been a worldwide situation that has brought, I think many of us closer together because in, in at least in our lifetime, it's been one of the few moments where we've all collectively as a whole human race have been going through the COVID situation. Then you add on to that at the time of this taping, we're obviously going through the George Floyd protests, Black Lives Matter protests, and they're globally. And those global protests are igniting my heart in so many different ways, Serena. I can't even begin to tell you. But how has it been for you up in Canada? I mean, I know that's different from the United States, obviously. Um, but has it been any different up there than it has been here in the States? Talk to us a little bit about what your experience has been over the last couple of months and what you've learned from that. Well, for me, um, I was in Spain when the global pandemic was announced. Um, and then I jumped on a plane and I flew to my hometown, um, Hamilton, to do quarantine here. And for me, it's it's been a massive shift personally because I am a doer. I'm somebody who's in the world, on the grounds, and trying to make magic happen. So for me to have to stay at home um, was a little bit challenging. Um, but again, more importantly, I'm, I'm Canadian. I think I'm proud to be Canadian. I love our country. I think our prime minister is doing a really good job at, you know, keeping us in check, uh, maybe doing too much of a good job, you know, because we're all starting to get really restless here in Canada. Only this week, we've been able to start, I think we're in phase one of opening up our doors and people going back out into the world. But I mean, over the course of the last couple months, I think I am at an advantage to most of the population because I have spent so much of my life in third world countries, in developing countries, or in some of the most at-risk communities in developed countries that I am programmed to be okay in not okay situations. And that is part of, I think, my gift. Um, I think that's organically how Help Heal Humanity was formed, um, was just in my day-to-day -day actions and interactions with serving others. Um, it, it really taught me so much about myself. 
right? And so that's why I always, I, um, I always say in helping others, we're really helping ourselves. And that's why one of the number one medicines that I would give to people that is not being told to people is to really step outside yourself and help other people. Yes. Yes. No, that's, that's magnificent. I mean, I, we were talking off camera about that very situation that one of the greatest gifts you can give yourself is to go do something nice for somebody who's in need. And you realize you don't have it off as, as bad as you do. I want to go back to just something you just said, Serena, that was very interesting. You said something to the effect of that you've become programmed to be comfortable being uncomfortable or something like that. Talk to us about what that means and how you do that. Because I know for me personally, I have had the privilege of talking to a lot of people. I've been giving these free coaching calls away. So I've had the liberty of talking to a lot of people and figuring out what's going on during this crisis and trying to help them stay positive. Um, you know, where does that, where does that sit for you and, and what you're able to provide in um, from your perspective? So from a very young age, I've always kind of been around situations like severe mental health. Um, anybody who suffers from mental health or is close to somebody who experiences severe mental health, you know that that is a very kind of roller coaster, scary situation. And so um, whether it was at home in my family, whether it was with my friends or in my community, I've always kind of wanted to have this desire to help other people. And mostly helping people means they're suffering and they're sick. And when people are suffering and sick, they're not behaving um, in the most appropriate way. So I, you know, being in mental health hospitals, working in jails, working in detention centers, you often have kids lashing out at you, um, you know, getting aggressive, and so I had to learn how to not react. Um, and in learning how to not react, I had to learn um, to self-care. And in self-care, that's where, for me, the healing modalities of yoga and meditation have really helped to center me. And I remember there was many times where I was in very uncomfortable situations where I thought to myself, okay, this is it. This is the way I'm gonna go down. And wow. in those moments, I always say to myself, Serena, this is why you did the yoga. This is why you did all the years of meditation so that you can just sit here and not react. Because, you know, if you react, you're going to trigger somebody and the situation is just going to get worse and worse and worse, you know, and, and conflict resolution is key. Like my friends, my family, everybody will tell you, even I, I come from an Italian background. Everybody screams and yells and hits and, you know, and I'm always, I always want everybody to be like calm and loving. Uh, you're, the group hugger. you're the group hugger. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. You know, like, <laughs> even, my, even my friends are like, Serena, come on, shut up. <laughs> or, you know, I, I even used to say to my students, you know, and maybe we can get to the journey of my students and how they inspired me. But I used, to, I used to say to my students, there's a polite way and a correct way to be an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> say that one more time? Yes, you heard me. There's a nice way to be an asshole. And I knew you would like that one because you have a little bit of a trucker's mouth like me. And I, uh -huh. get, I get in trouble for my trucker's mouth all the time. But you know what? It's who I am. And, and I'm, I am... I have a little bit of a potty mouth. <laughs> yeah. 
So again, I, I'm a peacemaker, I'm a lover, and I want everybody to be okay. And so that's kind of what I did in my classroom with my youth every day was role play with them. We would literally role play situations that would trigger them or upset them. And then um, it would start to teach them how to react with a lot more love, <laughs> with a lot more respect, instead of you know fighting, punching, because all my students, I, you know, all my students were kicked out of the, the, the school board because of fighting, punching, acting out. So it was learning how to control those behaviors and, and try to teach what I say and eventually um, all humanity is try to teach people how to be more human. Try to teach people, especially who are not being treated justly or fairly, how to how to just be more loving, how to be more kind. And to be honest, it's a really simple concept that gets ignored all the time. And I find so often people are looking for something more and I can over exaggerate it, but that doesn't make sense to me. It's really, really, really simple and it's really basic and you don't need an education and you don't need to have money and you don't need power. It's really, it's inside of us. You're born with it. And it's really just being a good person and loving one another and treating each other with respect. Wow. I couldn't agree more, Serena. But when I think about my work with at-risk kids and inner city kids, how do you teach them that? I mean, obviously they've grown up with, without loving parents. I mean, the hypothetical situation, it's not the ideal situation they've grown up with, you know, ideal parents and situations. So they've had to fight and survive and everything. How do you come at them with this love and this heart and this healing and this, Hey, let's be all human when all I've known is fighting and gangs and, and, you know, and, and violence to, to be able to communicate their feelings. How do you get through to them on that? And thank you, Christopher, because that is the exact reason why we are here. Um, I started off as a special education specialist right in teacher's college. I asked my professor um, if he would allow me to do my practice teaching um, in a jail, in a young uh, offenders facility instead of a mainstream classroom. Uh, thank you, Scott. <laughs> um, and so I knew right away because I was a problem child. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm laughing at all the comments. Mm -hmm. um, I was a special education student. It's quite funny because today two of my board members found that out and they did not know that, know that about me. I, no. I, I, in elementary school, I got sent to the special education classroom with the special ed kids to learn how to read because I struggled with reading. Um, and because my behaviors, I mean, as we all know, the school system is getting a little bit better in differentiated instruction and, and catering to kids who have different styles of learning. But in my time, when I grew up, if you didn't know how to read or write, you were stupid. And so I was told my whole life I was stupid and that I wasn't going to amount to nothing. And that was because I couldn't read and write like the rest of the kids. So I was always in the special education classroom or in the principal's office. <laughs> I spent so much time because the teachers would ask me to read, right? Or they would say, they'd ask me to do something that I didn't know how to do. And I didn't want to look stupid in front of my peers. So instead of, you know, trying to read the paragraph that I didn't know how to read, 
I would act out and I would say something really deviant to the teacher, like, shut up, miss, you're so stupid, miss. And then of course she would get mad at me and she'd kick me out of the class or he would kick me out of the class. So that's why I knew I wanted to work with kids that have kicked out of school because I knew there was a reason behind that behavior. I wanted to get to the underlining problem of why people like me or kids out there are acting in the way that they do. And I will say with all certainty that if the people in the world knew what these kids that are in jail or end up in jail or these gang members or these murderers or these pedophiles or these prostitutes, if you knew their life story, if you knew their life journey, you would know exactly why they do what they do and you would be there to lift them up and support them. And so because these children were my greatest inspiration, they were, they are the reason why I'm here today um, and inspiring me to go beyond my classroom and now into the world to again, teach people how to be human and have a lot more love and respect for especially the marginalized people. And you know, even right now with the Black Lives Matter movement, that for me has been normal since 20 years ago in my classroom, you know? Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, 90% of my clients and my youth were young black male. And even when, because Miss B loves to go out for nature walks and loves to mm -hmm. you know, get out of the classroom. And even when I used to say like, come on kids, let's go for a walk. The kids didn't want to go outside because they were afraid of the police, right? So the, the injustices that are happening right now have been happening our whole life. People are just starting to learn about them. And now I think is an opportunity for me to be able to share the story about the inhumanities and the injustices that are happening all over the world on a daily basis and how the only way that that is going to change is with each and every single one of us. Stop pointing the fingers at other people. Stop blaming systems and government. Yes, that is all bad. Yes, that is all horrible. But if we start to blame and point and fight, we're just causing more anger, more aggression, more negativity. So instead, my, my goal in life is to have people maybe take a step back and breathe mm. <laughs> and go within themselves and then see how they can be a better person because if, if everybody would just do one, one act of kindness, even on a daily basis, that alone will shift our planet and impact it in the most beautiful way. Wow. Wow. Boom. There's so many different things to jump off from what you just said, Serena. Thank you so much. Um, you are, you are, uh, you are, Hey, Hey Nadim. Um, you are a hit already and we're only 19 minutes into it. So you've got amen sister. Um, <laughs> Scott, you're going to meet Scott Friday. Uh, separation from oneness has gotten us here. We can return to that light and we will. Um, Lonnie Ross, Lonnie, uh, I'm assuming that's a fan of yours. Yeah. Serena, you are so well-spoken. God is using the right, using you the right way, baby. Proud of you. Love you little mama. I am enjoying listening to your voice. It's making my day. Thank you, Lonnie, for, for being here. And speaking of, of day, while I, while I just sit here and think about this, um, should, should, should we just like have a little song? Like just, uh, for, just for a song, just, just a song, uh, a song to a special person, maybe. 
I think so. You ready to do it with me? Let's, let's do go. it. Let's do it. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy, Happy birthday to my beautiful sister Rosa. Rosa. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Rosie, I love you and happy birthday. And you know I would have been there with you today. But of course, I'm here with Chris and his audience instead. So thank you for that, Chris. And, and happy birthday, Rosa. Happy birthday, Rosa. Sorry about that. I, I, I We would have rescheduled it, but uh, happy birthday. So you just got a, a shout out here for that. Um, yeah, what you just said, really, I mean, there's so many different jumping off points and thinking about the Black Lives Matter and the fact of these kids being afraid to go outside. And something you really said was really important is the fact, and I say this too, when I'm dealing with somebody who has a problem with a certain group of people or a certain individual, especially with a certain individual when I'm coaching them and they have this hate or this anger for them, this resentment for them, and it might be their parents, or their teachers, you know, somebody in their life. And I tell them just to stand back for a second. I just, just stand back and just think about if you walked in that person's shoes, their entire life, you had the upbringing, you had the experiences, you had the opinions and the beliefs and the conditioning and the programming from all the different people and all the different influences from their religious beliefs, their cultural backgrounds, everything. Might you be the exact same person? And most people try to fight me on that because they want to argue, they want to defend their position. But the truth of the fact is, is that no, you would be like that person. And that's what makes us more one. That's what makes us more human beings, you know, soul experiences, having human expense, human soul beings, having human experiences here, like Dr. Wayne Dyer says, you know, so that takes, that takes, that has to take a lot of the anger and the hate out of it. But unfortunately it doesn't because people see things from their myopic view. So I love how you said that. Um, we had a question. Uh, da, 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 da. So Scott actually asked the question, how are we going to change the education system starting with us starting now? And I cannot wait to do it together. Oh my goodness, Scott, I don't, this is, <laughs> you know, like I said, I, I did not like school at all. And so the fact that I went on to become a teacher um, means that I became the teacher I always wish I had, and then develop curriculum and education that would empower students. I think it begins with, for sure, life skills and social skills. Nobody on this planet, unless you go looking for it, is taught in school at a young age how to deal with their feelings, how to deal with their emotions, how to be in a successful relationship. What does a successful relationship look like? How to love yourself? Nobody even really knows how to love themselves. How do you love others, your family, your friends, your community? So for me, the most important thing is to start to educate children at a young age, and this is one of the goals for Help Heal Humanity over the next three to five years, is to be in schools all over the world teaching kids the necessities of life. Again, you know, I'm, I don't dismiss literacy and numeracy is important, but again, putting that back into life skills, into yeah. our day-to-day -day experiences, and then, like I said, teaching people, role modeling to them. The first three months in my classroom, I tell my students and they love it. We are not even going to look at any textbooks. We're not going to open up a textbook. We're not going to look at that stuff. All we're going to focus on is respect, love and respect. And they're like, what do you mean, miss? 
love how to love yourself, how to respect yourself. And then we'll spend a few weeks on that. And then it goes into your, your, your friends, your family, and then into your community, into your workplace, and then globally into the world. So again, I think the number one thing is teaching people how to be human. For my students in particular, these are kids who for the majority of their life have been turned down by society. Nobody's ever accepted them for who they were. So in my classroom, first and foremost, was letting them know it was okay. It was okay to be who they were. And that they had to come to terms, and we all, it doesn't matter who you are, from two years old up to 50 years old, everybody in life is going through problems. Everybody's struggling. If you can't come to terms with the reality of that, you're never going to get through it, and you're never going to overcome it. Because if you don't understand it, how can you learn from it? How can you grow from it? So again, it's teaching them to come to terms with where they're at in their life and then how to move forward from there positively and then provide the tools and the resources for them to be successful. Wow. Thank you, Serena. That's, I mean, I love your insights on that. And Scott was chiming in and, and, um, and uh, Ray was also chiming in as well. Question for you, because I've thought that myself and Scott and I have had several conversations about that based on his program, Go Love Now, in working with working with teachers and students, you know, and I've thought about that too, like starting a school, like, okay, you know, I want to help like teenagers, you know, through early twenties or something like that for you, based on your experience in the, in the schools, what age would be a great age to start teaching those life skills to these kids? I think it should begin like right in preschool, <laughs> like right away. Like why wait? Mm -hmm. As soon as, as like this should be, this should become normal behavior. My students used to say to me, miss, nobody acts like that. Miss, why are you doing that? Or miss, why are you talking that way? And I'm like, that's why I'm here. That's kind of why you're here. <laughs> and if you want to get out of here and reintegrate back into society, you need to learn how to do that and act that way and be that way. And it's really teaching people how to act and think and be in the world, um, especially when the world is not nice to them, right? And and I think, you know, I, I, you increase it, you know, as the years go on, but I think it should start in elementary schools and it should just, it should, at least a week or two weeks, a unit of study where we're teaching people how to be human. Because I mean, if you think about it, that's what shapes us for the rest of our life. And for me, nobody taught me that. I had to go look for that myself, right? Or or I had or I learned by doing, you know. I learned how to deal with a broken heart once my heart was broken, you know? So mm -hmm. again, it's experimental learning and it's it's just being um, again, it's just being open and 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 nothing is easy. So the other the other part is it takes discipline. It takes discipline and it takes hard work in order to be a good person. <laughs> mm -hmm. How does, how do you, how do you inspire somebody to be a good person when they've had, you know, those situations from the inner city, the at-risk kids, how do you, how do you teach them that? And how do you teach them about forgiveness? I mean, obviously in their lives, they have been let down, abandoned, um, you know, uh, persecuted everything under the sun. How do you teach them forgiveness and, and how do you, how, where do you go from there? So I always use their stories and their experiences as the lesson. 
because it's the best way for them to learn. And so I show them how the way others treated them may have not been okay. And yes, that they are hurting, but how to channel that energy in a positive way. So my students, again, very angry, very, very, very angry kids, very, kids that have been denied by most of society. It doesn't matter who you are. You want to be loved and accepted in this world. You really want people to validate you. You want people to accept you and you want people to love you. And my students wanted that too. They just never had that. So it was letting them know that through the course of the next year or two, we were going to transform the way they think so that they could have that love in their lives. And they didn't realize it, but what I did was I got my kids, and this is how Help Heal Humanity was formed, I got them off the streets, out of the classroom, and into the world. Toronto was most at risk. They went into the community, they went into the city of Toronto. We started to feed the homeless every single Tuesday. Every single Thursday we were at the Daily Food Bank. My students were not only learning how to take the TTC to get to these places and learning how to move around the city, but once we got to these places like the soup kitchen, that was a full-on kitchen at the soup kitchen. And to serve the homeless daily lunch, it's like being a waitress. So my students started to learn how to make meals, how to serve people. They learned how to interact with other people, which they had never known how to do that before. And then all of a sudden, my students start to realize, oh my goodness, these people are homeless. Oh my goodness, these people have absolutely nothing. And they started to learn that I can do something to help somebody else. And you could see everything about my students shift their self-esteem, their posture, their behaviors, their, you know, the way they carried this up themselves. Because all of a sudden, my kids, the special kids in need that nobody wanted, were out in the community doing something to help somebody else. It made them feel like gold. They never felt that way before, you know? And then to know that they were making a difference in other people's lives, it inspired them, it motivated them. And so it became this feel-good feeling. And, and, and again, my students inspire me. They, we go out into the community. We start to inspire you know, our local community. Again, my students and I put in more community service and hours than any other program in the Toronto area. This is Toronto's most at-risk youth. You know, they left my program with a resume of three volunteer experiences with references because again they want to get a job and they want to be just like everybody else but they don't have a resume so at least they have a resume of volunteer experience showing that they know how to do this right and again and and when my students started to realize that their lives might not be so bad and that they could help other people is when things really kicked off for them so that's why i always say to step outside yourself and when you step outside yourself, you're not in, like you said, Chris, you're not in your head, you're not in that little, I say, you know, your mind is about the size of a peanut 
And that same story keeps repeating, repeating, repeating. I can't, I can't, I'm not good enough. But when you go out there and you start to do something different, it is scary, you know, but once you get past the fear, it's absolutely amazing what happens. It's, it's amazing. And all these wonderful new doors and new possibilities open up for you that you would have never imagined because you were so stuck thinking you couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. No, no, I mean, that is so beautiful, Serena. And thank you for doing that and, and making a difference in those kids' lives. Because I mean, you got, I mean, you know, for firsthand, not too many people sit there and think, oh, I want to go, you know, mentor at-risk kids and deal with that situation. Was that a time, were there situations in, in, in that quote unquote unorthodox, I guess, teaching style? Did you get shit from, you know, the, the, the board and the school, or was that something they just gave you free reign? Like, okay, they're the last ditch kids. So do whatever you can with them. And if you make something of them, good luck. If not, you know, come back alive. Was it, how was that for you? It, it was, it was, well, I think, I think everybody knew that I was really dedicated to them and the government because I worked in partnership with the ministry of child and youth services I think they could see that I was fully committed and they could see the success. So I was really privileged and I was lucky because I had, I had services. I had child and youth workers in my classroom. I had psychiatrists and lawyers, and I had a whole team of people helping me determine the fate of these kids' lives. But yeah, for me, it was, it was love. It was pure love. Like I said, there definitely are stories that if I, you know, if I said out loud, <laughs> I would get in a lot of trouble. There was a lot of, you know, modalities of teaching that were probably not completely ethical. You know, the way I taught kids math sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, I hope none of this comes back to bite me in the butt. Um, but yeah, you know, again, and there were times where you know, my, my students had, they knew how to contact me if they were in trouble. And, you know, I would go out on the streets and I would put myself in situations that I probably should not have put myself into to be there for them. And again, I did not realize that all of that, just my kind heart or my love for my student and my student knowing that they weren't alone, they had somebody there no matter what. Um, that, that empowered me as well. But I think just that act of, of me being there for them and, and them being there for me, because they showed up every day all the time, no matter what, you know, even no matter what the situation was, and they would tell me they showed up. And that to me said a lot. And so if they showed up, I was going to be the best I could be for them. And yeah, I did a lot of things I for sure shouldn't have done but I don't regret one minute of it. And to this day, I'm still doing things that are completely crazy. You know, um, the, we haven't told the story about how my students um, in, in basically challenged me. Um, one day when my students and I were coming home from the homeless shelter, from feeding the homeless, um, we were at the subway stations and there was the TV stations and there was the devastation um, of the earthquake that had happened in Haiti in uh, January of 2010. And my students and I were sitting on the train and I was watching that TV that showed Haiti. And I looked at my students and I said to them, I said, you think you have it bad? I said, there are kids in this world 
that would die for your situation, that wish they could be you. And my students, they couldn't believe it. They looked at me and they're like, miss, what do you mean? Nobody wants to be us. Everybody hates us. And I said, no. I said, you know, the stupid school and the stupid police, the stupid group home and all the things that you hate. I said, there are kids in this world that don't have that. They don't have a school to go to. They don't have the police to call when they're in trouble. They don't have a hospital to go to when they're in trouble. And my students couldn't believe that. And they looked at me and they said, Miss B, every morning you tell us we can do anything we put our minds to. And I said, yeah, we can. And they said, well, then we need to build a school for these kids in Haiti. <laughs> and of course, I had absolutely no idea how to build a school in the poorest most corrupt country on our planet today, but I wanted to role model to them, to you, and to everybody who is listening that we really can do anything. Bam, yeah. bam, bam, double high five, as my son would say, fist bump, everything. Jeez, I wish I wish I could just reach through this camera and give you a big hug. You know, it's it's so awesome to meet you know, somebody like myself who has that fire and that energy, but I mean, more so that you've been in situations that you just keep putting yourself in like in front of a train and figuring it out and just living and maximizing your moments. I mean, that's such a testament to the things that we all should be doing in our lives, both myself and the people that are watching is really, you know, free falling into what it is that we're supposed to be doing and, and, and being able to, you know, take those risks and, and like I say, fight for what's right and what's fair and risk for which that mattered, you know, and taking the, and so many people are so by the book, like, well, the book says we have to do this. It's like, fuck the book. You know, that's why I love, I'm trying, I've been, ever since you've been talking, I've been trying to think of the fucking movie. Um, the teacher, she, uh, uh, she teaches inner city kids. There's oh, two dangerous minds. Dangerous minds. That one. Yes. Yes. Love her. And then the free, yes. Freedom riders. I mean, we need more of those people in this world. I mean, um, it's, it's, it's so crazy. So thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing that. I want to get back to a question that I missed earlier. Cindy had asked, how do you get them to believe in themselves? And I think part of that, you answered that in, in, in getting them to believe in themselves is getting to believe in a bigger mission and a bigger purpose and, and seeing how their current situations are, are, are better than they think they are. But how do you get them to believe in themselves? I mean, cause I mean, how long of a window are you working with them and what are some of the first techniques that you use to get them to believe in themselves? So the maximum that I would have the kids for would be two years, um, usually a year. And how you get them to believe in themselves is first and foremost being there for them, right? So they know that they're not alone. Um, really being open. Like I, if we were an open book in my classroom and, you know, I had 15 of the hardest to serve youth. I mean, they had it out with each other in the classroom and I even... At one point, I mean, people might be naive and not think that we have gangs in Toronto, but we have Bloods and Crips. And, you know, I had gang members, Bloods and Crips in the same classroom, ready to kill each other. You know, and you have to be able to get them to come to a place of calm and not only, like you said, get to accept themselves, but then each other. And so it is, it's a lot of role modeling. It's a lot of showing examples of it's a lot of using their life experiences to show them how they could have maybe 
reacted differently and done things differently so that their life could have turned out differently. Um, and again, I, I believe in affirmations. I believe in, you know, teaching. A lot of these kids don't know how to have self-love and self-respect, right? So again, it's teaching them how to do those things, even as simple as how to groom themselves, how to take a shower, how to look and dress respectable, how to talk respectively. I would have my kids get up in front of the classroom and role play, literally role play until they got it right. And I, and I would say to them, like, if you want to get back into society, if you want to get a job and you want to have a girlfriend and you want to be accepted, then you need to learn how to do these things. And these things begin with yourself. Right. And again, teaching those life skills and those social skills, the motivational factors, sometimes manipulation, <laughs> whatever it takes. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> manipulation? Little, little movie to the head? Yeah. <laughs> a little noogie to the head. Yeah. Um, uh, just going back through and making sure I don't miss any of the questions. I think we had another question. Um, oh, Scott again. Scott, look, look at Scott. He's just all up in your business. Do you think we should empower te and train teachers first so we can touch the masses more quickly? Good question, Scott. <laughs> well, yes, definitely. Yes. Um, I, you know, I'm a teacher. Um, I love my colleagues. Um, some of the colleagues are really hard to deal with. <laughs> you know, I remember my principal telling me to become a principal because she thought that I should have been impacting more students. And I told her, there's no way I want to be a principal. I don't want to deal with the teachers. I want to deal with the kids. <laughs> um, and so that's why I said, let's, and, and I'm not, I'm not intentionally trying to offend anyone, but it's so much easier to inflict positive change at a young age where the behavior hasn't been taught yet than people who are really stuck and stubborn. And a lot of people are set in their way, especially kind of old school ways and don't want to learn and don't want to grow. And again, you know, your life is a constant evolution of growth. Who you were five years ago should be completely different than the person you were 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And it should be constantly changing, shifting, evolving. So yes, I think teachers first and foremost, because again, we are the role models, right? So just like parents, I think it's not only teachers, it's parents. Parents need to role model this behavior to their kids. And, you know, everything is a taught or learned behavior. Our kids and didn't end up this way for no reason. They ended up this way because of what they were surrounded with. So, yeah, I, I think for sure teachers, but parents and all humanity, you know, this is, this is, this is the thing here. It's not about just one person or one race or one age group or one culture. This is about all humanity and all of us just doing a little bit more to make the world a little bit kinder, a little bit nicer and a lot more loving. Yes, you are an angel. I don't know about you're that. A, you're, a, you're a kick ass angel. You're a kick ass angel. And by the way, I just had to, I have to, I have to do this. I have to do this, ladies and gentlemen. I have to tell a story. Yes. So, so Patricia, 
Patricia is on, on the screen right now and she says, believe Patricia gave me this wristband. I think seven years ago, 2013 at the Sheridan gateway hotel in Los Angeles. It was a, it was a, it was an afternoon delight kind of thing. No, uh, <laughs> no, my cat was, my cat was, I snuck my cat into this, this huge hotel because he was, he had oral squamous cell carcinoma. He had a cancer growing out of his face and he was bleeding and I needed to be at this event and I couldn't leave him at home because my wife was gone. So I brought him there and my friends helped me and we had, we had towels everywhere and I would go up there and take care of him. And Patricia was an absolute sweetheart. I remember she said, just wait a minute. I'll be right back. And I'm like, where are you going? She's up to my room and she brought me back this uh, bracelet that says believe. And I have pictures of it. It used to be super, super dark blue, but yes, I mean the maximum impact of what that means and why I tell that story is you have to believe you have to believe in the, in the greater good of humanity. You have to believe in the greater good of the kids that we're working with and, and the, and the, and the initiatives that we're fighting for, for the, for the equity that everybody deserves. Um, well, and with that, if I could just chime in about Patricia, no, 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 thank you. <laughs> no, of is the reason why I'm on the show today talking with you, Chris. Um, Patricia is one of my mentors and I see Don Bridgman is in the news feed as well. He is one of my mentors. And um, the reason why I got connected to Patricia was because of the work that she does in um, Cambodia. And, and then our spirits were brought together because um, I guess your audience will know on Friday, we are doing an interview with Patricia, Scott, yourself, and me. It will be the four of us. Um, and again, Patricia is another example of, of how loving kindness in this world is all it takes to transform it. And so, yeah, Patricia, she believes that she is, she's, she's a superwoman and I'm so grateful for her because of her. That's why we are here today. So thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Yes. No, this is, this is just like the, the stepping point of, of what's going to be absolutely amazing. Yes. I agree. Serena is a kick-ass angel. Oh, I like Leslie. Leslie's Thank awesome. What's happening, uh, Leslie? Yeah. Um, so, and, and kind of tying this all in together and what you had said before, one of the, one of the greatest gifts we know is, is serving other people and stepping outside you know, what it is that we're most used, used to and comfortable with and, you know, known. So how did you go from, you know, dealing with inner city youth and then going to starting a humanitarian organization and going to Haiti and actually getting your feet wet in doing that? Talk to us about the journey from, from that until, until creating heal, help you help heal humanity.org. Okay. So yes. So again, it was my students who inspired me. And when my students, Toronto's most at risk, learned about kids in the world that were suffering greater than they were, they not only challenged me, but they said to me, you know, Miss B, we need to build them a school. The concept behind the Haiti School Building Project was a handful of youth in Toronto were gonna help a, hand small, a, a handful of youth in Haiti. So it was really just 20 kids helping 20 kids and through education and learning, we were gonna create a miracle. What we did was um, we found out through another one of my mentors, um, John Callahan, that we could build a school in Haiti for $20,000. So my students and I decided to start to fundraise and start to tell people about what we were doing and see if they would, you know, give us some of their money. <laughs> uh, we started 
because my students, you know, we weren't in the high school and we could, I couldn't send a letter home to their parents. We had to get creative about how we were fundraising. So we started to go into um, local high schools and we started to ask other kids if they would help us. We did bake sales. We did samosa sales. I'm a yogi. Um, so I went to my yoga community. And at the time, it was a Moksha Bloor West studio. They gave us a check for $3,500. Rick Heddle from Heddle Marine, he cut us our very first check for $5,000. And so it took a year and we raised the $20,000. My students and I were, you know, beyond impressed with our ability to do that. And then I jumped on a plane and I flew to Haiti to build what I thought was going to be a portable style school, four brick walls, a tin roof, one teacher, 15 desks, $20,000 and you know, two weeks and we would be done. Um, yeah, <laughs> I jumped on a plane, I arrived in Haiti, I arrived in Haiti, it was um, eight, eight months after the earthquake. So eight months after the earthquake and I, I've spent my life in jails, homeless shelters, women's shelters, the streets of Toronto, the streets of Australia. I, I've seen a lot and nothing could have prepared me for what I saw in Haiti. Absolutely nothing. There were millions of people living in tents, like in, in shambles. There was still dead bodies on the streets. There was broken rebel buildings everywhere. The entire country was in chaos. And I didn't even, I, I just rolled up my sleeves and I started helping. I don't even really know what I was doing. I just knew that I had never seen anything so inhumane and so unjust in my life. And I started helping and then I met my project partner. His name is David and we get in the car and we drive to the top of a hill. And when I say we drive, anyone who's been to Haiti knows what that's like. Nine million people, two, three roads that are completely broken up. Um, it's it's wild even for me to think that a place like that exists in the world today it's 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 uncalled for and so i go up to the mountain with david my partner and he he explains to me that all the families that have lost their homes from the earthquake are being sent to this mountain we are literally in a mountain. There's nothing there. There's no water. There's no electricity. There's nothing. And this is where people who have nothing, have no home, just lost their, you know, their family members are being located in the middle of nowhere with nothing and told to figure it out. And so my project partner pulls out these blueprints for this school. <laughs> and I go like that because it was that big. <laughs> <laughs> they laughed because they said my eyes popped out of my head. And, and I said, who is going to build that school? <laughs> and he's like, you are. And I said, how much does a school like that cost? And he's like, 250000 300000 And he's like, if you're going to impact a community and you're going to do something to help somebody, you need to do it right. 
And again, I didn't fully comprehend what I had done to even get to that point. And while I was there, what I had seen, what I had dealt with, what I had smelt, what I had heard, it made me not be able to say no. And so I said, okay, I guess we're building a big school. And that then became another major pivotal moment in my life because I always say my students inspired me every day. My students were the reason why I woke up and did the best that I could do for them. And now I say Haiti. Haiti is the reason why we're even, the charity was formed. The charity would have never been formed if my students didn't get me there. And then if I didn't see what I saw. And so now I feel like I have this social responsibility to raise my voice, to raise consciousness about what is happening in this world and do whatever little part I can do. And like I said, Haiti should not, the way 9 million people are living right now today is disgusting. And so, yeah, I quit my job. I have, I went from being getting quit your job. I went from getting paid exceptionally good money, doing a job that I love, impacting kids and community that I love. And I quit everything because I want to die knowing that I at least tried versus not trying at all. And this is me trying to raise my voice about what is happening in the world and to let people know that together, if we unite, we can really, especially right now with a global pandemic, we can use our energies to shift and change the world. And it, if it doesn't happen now, it's never going to happen. So for me, I've always had a gift to be able to see the good in everything. And whenever there is a major crisis or challenge, for some reason, I seem to strive above. And, um, and I use that to motivate me to do something really good with it. So right now that I feel like our entire world is suffering, this is the time for our world, every human being to come together and do something amazing. And so I'm not asking people to do something out of the ordinary. All I'm asking people to do is what they do on a daily basis. So for example, if you're a business owner, if you own, if you, if you're a chiropractor and you give massages, if you're a restaurant owner and you are giving out meals, you know, if you're a business and you're selling products, if you're a gym, if you're a yoga studio, if it doesn't matter what you are in this world, you're doing something. And all I'm asking you to do is for one day, do that with the proceeds going back to humanity. So, for one day, give up your, give, give 10% of your daily wages. If, like I said, at the end of your meal, round up to the nearest dollar. If you are a yogi, let's do a yoga class for humanity. If you're a restaurant, let's do dining for humanity. If you're an artist, let's do art for humanity. Whoever you are in this world, you've been given a gift. And what I am asking you to do is to share that gift and give it back to the world. And if we are going to heal the planet, now is the time to do it. And it begins with you. So share that gift with the world and let's just 
let's make the world a much better place. Mic drop. See, mic drop, mic drop. I got to work on the guns. Wow. That, that was like a, that was like a platform speech that, you know, just came directly from your soul. I mean, that is so magnificent. And the fact that like Patricia said, you know, you lift us all up. That is what we need to be hearing. That's what Scott and I have been vocalizing, you know, for the last couple of weeks and through our show is just the fact of standing up and taking that risk and fighting for what's right and what's fair. I think Ray, Ray, Ray gave me a little bit of a hard time. He says, um, what did he say? Oh, because I talk about legacy plan. He goes, oh my God, Serena has a legacy plan, Chris, because I talk about that. I mean, you have, a, when I just worked with my coaching client tonight um, and I had her write her eulogy. And up until the point she actually wrote it, we talked about it, but I said, I want you to write it out. And I didn't tell her anything about it. And so she wrote it out and she goes, she goes, when I, when I figured it out, she goes, I realized that I'm going to have to keep my word on a lot of things that I don't keep my word on right now. And it, we had the discussion about self-love. I said, if you want to, if you want to give out love, if you want to be love, then you have to self-love yourself. And yet the best way to self-love yourself is to hold yourself accountable and, and to take those risks and to do those things. Like you said, at the top of the show, I love that that, you know, five years ago, you shouldn't be the person that you are today. It's so funny. You mentioned that I have pictures of me when I'm, um, cause I'm 51 and then we have pictures when we were on a cruise for my 40th birthday. And I look at the pictures and I'm like, I don't even recognize that person. You know, it's still the same person and everything, but I've grown so much from who I was at that point. And I'm so proud of that. How do we tell people, how do we get people to get out of their own way? Because right now everybody's in their misery and they're suffering and they're muck and they're, you know, this is happening to me and this is happening to me. How do we get people to start loving themselves and, 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 and sharing that out, not out of fear and like, oh, what am I going to not have or anything, but out of love and being a difference in the world that we need to make right now? Being of service, being of service, helping others for sure. And it's exactly like you said, I think our life is so limited. I don't think people realize that. I learned that because I lost the two most important people in my life. Um, and I watched my mom and dad literally die in my arms. And it made me realize that this life is very short and we only have one time. We only have one chance. And this is our time now to do something amazing with your life, to start new, try something new, do something new. If you don't even know where to begin, just begin by starting something. And as you'll, you'll learn very, very quickly what you don't like. And as you learn what you don't like, it's going to put you closer to what you like. So again, it's using all the negativity, using the dramas, the traumas, using the shit and doing something good with it. And, and, and I, you know, I always say to my students, mistakes, mistakes are amazing. <laughs> you know, miss, I don't know what I'm doing. Miss, I suck. Miss, I made a mistake. Making a mistake is amazing. Making a mistake is just one step closer to doing the right thing. So you, you're still learning. You're still learning. And so, again, I just, you know, I just think that everyone in this world should step outside themselves, spread more love, be kinder. And in serving others, it's going to do something to you. And you're never going to forget that. When you step outside yourself and you see what is really happening in the world, you're going to have a much greater appreciation for your life. And you're going to shift the way you think. So one of my favorite things is actually bringing people on these volunteer trips to Haiti because it doesn't matter who you are. When you walk into these type, or even bringing them into, you know, the 
the communities in the GTA that most people won't go into. The minute you start to go and see the injustices and inhumanities in the world, it's going to shift who you are as a human being, and it's going to make you a much better human being. And so the reason why I can deal with COVID is because I know how lucky I am to be living in a house with electricity during a global pandemic. So even the worst day on earth for me is still a beautiful day because my experiences have taught me that. Mm -hmm. Yep. It's all about perspective. Once you see, once you see the world from somebody else's eyes or you walk in their shoes, like we said before, Serena, then you have a new appreciation of like, Oh, wow. Like I've people sit there and bitch about their lives. And I sit there and say, and not even knowing anything about this, I know about third world countries and things of that nature. So I've used this example. I've said, did you by any chance go to a place in your house today and turn a lever on a wall and have hot fucking water stream out for as long as you want? Hmm, did you did you by any chance have one of these things and you picked it up and you Googled anything you wanted? You got email, you got voicemail, you got videos, you got music, you got anything you wanted? Yeah. By any chance, you know, well, guess what? You're pretty fucking lucky compared to the rest of the world. And how about we kind of, you know, balance that out a little bit. And I think that's what the world's really saying right now is we're tired of all the politics. We're tired of all the, the old shenanigans and the old playbooks and, you know, all that other crap that we need to begin solving the root cause of our problems instead of just diagnosing the symptoms and treating it that way. Um, so where is, I mean, where is your organization today? You I mean, you talked about, you went there with $20,000 and then they said, okay, no, you're going to build a school. That's 250,000, $250,000. What wound up happening and where is it at today? So today now, um, uh, the school in Haiti is opened. It's opened up in September, 2018. We did build the entire first level of the school. We have toilets, we have European tiles in the middle of what is considered one of the hardest to serve communities on our planet. So we, we did it right. Like we did, we, we went full out. We did the best that we can. The school is open. It's operating in its first year. It had 111 kids last year. It had 121 kids. We have a summer school program, uh, after school program. We run a full day program and, not only do we run the school, but we also are responsible for their uniforms, their textbooks, their meal plans. And again, once you see the way these kids live, they don't have anything. So I ask all my friends and I ask all the community to donate their kids clothing and give it to me and send, and then I send it out to the community. So it's so bizarre to know that somehow my students and I, you know, created this, you know, I, I actually had a cry this morning because there's hundreds and thousands of people in Haiti who are impacted by the actions of my students and I um, that would have never happened. Um, but obviously with the support of all my, like there's hundreds of people all over the world who are supporting me. So without the support of people, you know, believing in the charity and believing in the work we're doing, I cannot do it. But I'm proud to say that up until now, there's been no paid employees, including myself. 100% of your donation goes directly to the source. No money is ever sent to Haiti unless I am on the ground overseeing those dollars. So at one point, I pretty much lived in Haiti for three years. So our Haiti School Building Project is up and running. 
Um, we have plans to build a second school in Haiti. Um, and then um, I'd like to move over to Kenya and um, start a project there with one of my friends who runs a charity. So um, we are up, we're running, we're registered in Canada, in the USA. And our plans are to grow and to impact the world. And really, truly, honestly, if every human being who's watching this goes to our website, there is something there for you. And together, really using who you are as a human, using your gifts, your talents, your resources to literally help heal humanity. A decade of work and your dreams become a reality. Unbelievable. Thanks. Yes. Great, great, wise words, Don. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm like speechless because I sit there and I think Serena, honestly, I'm speechless because of the fact I talk to so many people in my coaching profession and it just blows my mind how many of them are sitting idle. They're in jobs. They hate, they're in relationships. They hate, they're in friendships. They hate, they're in churches. They hate, they're in all this stuff. And then here you are, you're this amazing individual who said when you were a kid, no, I'm going to go back and I'm going to figure out what the problem is with these special needs kids. I'm going to put myself in harm's way. I'm going to put myself right in the middle of bloods and crips. And for you guys out there who don't know what those are, those are two huge rival gangs that will kill each other based on the color of bandana that they're wearing. Trust me. I found that out blue and red bandanas when I was a young kid. Yeah, I could tell you a few stories. Um, going from that, doing all that, sacrificing yourself, putting yourself in harm's way, bucking the system, doing unconventional teaching methods to starting a nonprofit organization and delivering massive hope and future to a country that is otherwise forgotten and, and discarded is just absolutely amazing that you've done that. And there's so many people out there who are living in fear, living in scarcity, you know, the what ifs, you know, what if it doesn't work? What do you say to all those people that are watching right now that are just like, wow, you know, it must be great to be her. And, you know, she doesn't have any responsibilities. What do you say to all the people that are out there, you know, having a pity party for themselves when actually they could be a part of the solution and making the world a better place? Discipline, a lot of self-discipline. I mean, I've never given up. Even when people told me to give up, even when people told me it was impossible, I thank goodness that I have this belief in myself. Um, I think that was taught by my mom. Um, and just, I know that I'm always gonna be okay. And I know that my life purpose is bigger than myself and as soon as I start, it was a lot of work. Like, you know, as somebody who struggled significantly with reading and writing, in order for me to become a teacher, the amount of studying I had to do was, was immeasurable. Even to this day, I say the hardest days in my life were my university days because it was so hard for me to comprehend what was being asked of me because that wasn't the way that I learned, but I disciplined myself and it was a lot of work. And I say, and there's nothing wrong with it. While most of the people were dating, going out, going to clubs, having fun, partying, I was taking care of the streets of Toronto, or I was taking care of my family, or I was taking care of the most at-risk youth. 
it's what I enjoy doing. It's my calling. It serves me exceptionally well. Um, but it is a lot of hard work and it is a lot of discipline and it's unconventional work too. Like I work all hours of the day and night. I mean, you asked me if I wanted to pre-record this interview and I said, absolutely not. We're going to do it live, even though it's 11 o'clock at night, you know, a lot of my colleagues are sleeping, but you know, I'm going to say yes and I'm going to do whatever it takes. And, you know, in Haiti, I ride a motorcycle and everybody tells me I'm absolutely crazy because I'm basically asking to get murdered. And I've said to them, if this is the way that I die, then at least I died trying my best. And I truly, truly, truly believe that the universe, this force greater than myself is watching me, is protecting me and will keep me safe because I'm doing this from the heart and I don't think anyone's going to murder me in the process. And if they do, I did my best. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> wow. Amazing. I've done, I've done a lot of interviews in my life, Serena, and this is going to go down in history as one of my true favorites because sitting here, I mean, I'm a very inspirational person. I can inspire myself pretty quickly. I can get myself out of a funk, but just listening to your heart, not even just your words, but listening to your heart and listening to the passion and the sincere the sincerity of what it is that you're saying and doing is inspiring to me. So thank you for being the, the person you are, the soul you are. I'm so grateful to Patricia for connecting us. I see Scott over here just jumping up and down like a six-year-old, like, well, I can't wait to play with her. I'm going to talk to her. I want to ask her questions. And that's such a great thing because I feed off of what Scott says. I mean, Scott's program with Go Love Now and Healing Humanity and, and my, my love for the kids as well. I mean, that just all blossoms out. And the fact that the people are watching this tonight um, and watching it on the replay for sure, I really, truly hope you guys get something out of this and listening to Serena's words and listening to her story and, and the risks that she takes and, and the, the honest, um, I'm trying to word inhibition, I guess, just the, the vulnerability, the free fall that you're doing with every action that you take is so inspirational. And so what the world needs to hear right now and see right now to get us out of our comfort zones, to get us out of that complacency that I just did a walk and talk on it. Mediocrity, playing it safe, playing the someday game. Oh, someday when this, you know, life is to be lived right now. And I think you're a magnificent, um, uh, portrayal and leader in that, in that status of what you want to do and, 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 and spreading that to Kenya and everything else. What can the viewers do tonight and today when they're or when they're watching this to support you? Obviously, go into helphealhumanity.org. We put it here in the chat a few times. It'll be in the show notes most definitely. Um, donating there. I mean, um, are there volunteer programs? Are I mean, you were talking about asking for donations. Is there a place to send donations? What can everybody do as far as sharing their gift to be able to support your organization and support you most importantly? Yeah, definitely. I mean, go to our website. I'd say first and foremost, sign up for our newsletter so you can see all the good that we're up to on a monthly basis. Um, donate if you can, you know, your used clothing. If you have obviously funds, then donate, sponsor a child in need. Um, we have specifically right now because of COVID, there's a massive food crisis in Haiti and kids are starving. A few of our kids have gone due to dehydration. So we have a food and nourishment program happening right now. And you can access that at 
food.helphealhumanity.org. Um, food.helphealhumanity.org. And I think I do appreciate um, that people are listening to me and paying attention to me for what I'm trying to bring into the world, but I shouldn't be a special person and I shouldn't be looked at or looked up to because really all I'm doing is spreading love and being kind and being kind should be normal human behavior for all people. And I shouldn't be something that somebody looks at as something special. So I think everybody should know that you are me. <laughs> you are me. Mm-hmm. And you just start being nice, start being kinder, start giving more, start loving more. Just put yourself out there more. Every time a fear comes up, push yourself, push yourself. You live one time, just push yourself. You, like I said, I'd rather live with, you know, screwing up, messing up than never trying at all. So, you know, take that step, be courageous, you know, go and do something amazing and then message me, tell me what you did, show me a video of what you did. We'll post it. And that's the way we're going to heal humanity. Wow. Yes. Yes. I, um, again, uh, I'm just reading through here. I'm going to go back and watch this show again, because I, I need to hear a lot of what you're saying. Uh, so Patricia says we need volunteers, sponsor kids, just do happy things every day. Of course. Um, uh, I will never forget when you told me if I have to die that way, I am not afraid. I am ready. You have unshakable conviction. Yes. Unshakable conviction. I thought I had unshakable conviction, you know, I'm in awe of, of what you do and how you do it and the sacrifices that you make, you know, sacrificing your personal life in, in order to do this and to make a bigger mission for what's going on. Do you still keep in touch with your kids that you, that you taught? Do do you still have a relationship with them to see how they're doing and to keep them? All of them. They message me all the time. Some of them have gotten married. I've gone to their weddings. I've, you know, some of them been reintegrated with their families. So I know their families and their parents all of those kids are in my life, but they're not kids anymore. <laughs> they're not kids anymore. They're in their 20s. You know, some of them have had children, but all of them. And and that is it. Like I said, I feel like, you know, they are a part of me and I am a part of them. And, and for sure, I stay in contact with all of them. All of them. Always. All my events, when I do events in, in Hamilton or Toronto, they're always at my events. And again, I told them, I said, I t- Miss B said she was going to make you famous. And I swear until the day they die, I'm going to showcase the amazing work that they did because it's because of them that I'm here. So yes, of course I stay in touch with them. Wow. 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 Um, such a magnificent hour and 14 minutes that I could keep talking to you for hours and hours. And actually we'll be talking to you, uh, this Friday night. Uh, so those of you guys that are watching this Friday night live with myself and Scott Goyette, we were going to be talking not only with Serena, but we're also going to be talking to the magnificent Patricia as well. So tune in Friday night, 5 PM Pacific standard time, 8 PM Eastern standard time this Friday to check both of those amazing individuals out and to have a deeper conversation with Scott included. Uh, final words. I mean, I, you've said final words, but I, for some reason, I just keep thinking brilliance is going to pour out of your mouth, final words, and then we'll end the show. 
final words is yeah to to again just go within yourself and 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 be the person that you always wished you could be i know that there is a burning desire inside of you to fulfill a wish or a dream that you never did and so i say take the challenge uh, have the courage do what you're meant to do in this lifetime stop satisfying other people's needs or expectations of yourself and really do what you want to do for yourself and again in healing yourself is how we're going to heal humanity bravo i got a microphone in front of me bravo serena <clears throat> i can't thank you enough seriously i can't thank patricia enough um you know, for all that you're doing and being on the show, staying up late for this, I really appreciated doing this live to where everybody can have the interaction. I mean, I've done a lot of these and the interaction and the excitement that you've created in just this hour and 14 minutes, I'm sure is going to spill over. So thank you once again. I can't wait to have more conversations with you. Have you back on the show? You'll probably be one of my first repeat guests um, because I just so value your just the conversation that we can have and just the free fall topic of of just figuring out what it is that we need to do and get out of our own way is just magnificent so uh i am going to um put you backstage here for a second my dear don't go anywhere and i'm gonna, just going to end the show um if i can even top anything that you just said but uh thank you my dear hang on one second thank you um you are most welcome ladies and gentlemen boys and girls wow um i don't know what to say i mean the one thing i could really honestly say and you guys know me i'm never a loss for words is go back and watch this again and go back. And if you didn't take notes, you guys know I put this in there every single show, take notes, take notes. There is this psychological agreement that happens in your brain when you take notes. And especially when you take notes to say, what is my action item from this? To be a better human, what three things am I going to do to be a better human? And people say, I don't know what to do, Chris. Okay, how about this? How about being nice when you're walking down the street? Say hi to people. How about letting people cut in front of you in the driveway or letting them have that parking space? What about saying hi to people while you're grocery shopping? What about giving to people less fortunate? What about being a nicer person to your family? What about being a nicer person to your coworkers? What about not having road rage? What about being polite to your wait staff? I could go on and on and on. It all starts with you. It all starts with us. It all starts in the leadership that we bring out in humanity because as we do that, and sometimes you may think there's 7 billion people on the planet, but with social media and everything this, these days, this show could go viral. Serena definitely should go viral. I mean, good Lord. I mean, I'm thinking Mother Teresa right here. I mean, and I know she did work with Mother Teresa. We didn't even talk about that. But go out there and be the best example of what you can be. What you can be. Start looking at things not from a pity party and what I don't have as opposed to what I do have. I have a roof over my head. I have a fan going on. I have electricity. I have music anytime I want it. I have food in my refrigerator. I have opportunities. You know, one of the guys I'm going to be interviewing for this show coming up pretty soon, Jesus, Jesus Ortiz, he came to this country with nothing. Didn't know English, didn't know nothing. And he's just building his life. He just, he kind of, he's like, dude, if anybody can make it here, if I can make it here, anybody can make it here. So it's just all about putting away your excuses, putting away your bullshit stories that you've told yourself and taking Serena's advice and just jumping into it, figuring it out. You know, we want these things to be perfect. We want the best laid plans. Oh, when I have this setup, when I have this setup, and that's ready, when I have this money, you can't fucking do that and live life. You know, you literally have to go at it. And I have to learn this from Serena as well. You have to go at it like, hey, if I go while I'm doing this, then I'm going to go setting an example for the world. And I'm going to go out knowing that I was giving my heart and giving my best and making a difference in this world. 
So again, I encourage you guys to write your eulogies, figure out what your mission statement is, figure out what it is that you're going to be known for when you're gone and work every single day towards that goal. Build that up every single day. If you start off with one high every day, work it up to be 20 highs a day. If you're donating a dollar a week, work on yourself to be able to donate you know, $3 a week, whatever it might be that you can make a difference in your world, leading your kids, being the voice of change that you want not sitting there bitching and pissing and moaning about stuff that you can't control, but instead saying, Hey, how can I give my gift? What is my natural talent that I could do without getting tired or bored that I could give to somebody and make their life just a little bit better. I've been seeing people making masks, you know, hand knit masks and all these different things and figuring out, okay, I can do this now for me. It's my voice. It's my platform. It's my passion. It's my knowledge. It's my gift to be able to help people realize their true potential in life. Whatever, if you can cook, whatever it is that you might be able to do, share that gift, make it better. You know, go watch movies like patch Adams, go watch movies like pay it forward, go see things where you can make a difference. That ripple effect that we need right now in this world, you see the world, we're all standing up. We're all saying we've tired, we're tired of all this stuff. We're all realizing and recognizing no matter where you come from, if you're short, tall, fat, bald, gay, straight, Republican, Democrat, any other different fucking label you want to put on it, you split us down the middle. We're all the same. We're all the same. And I've talked to people all over the world. All we want is peace and safety and to have our families and have opportunities and to be able to go places and do things and not have to be worried about all this other extraneous bullshit. Everybody from all walks of life, we all want the same thing. And it starts with you. It starts when you go look in the accountability mirror and figure out what it is that you're doing to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. Serena, I thank you so much again for being on the show. Guys, all the contact information for Serena and helphealhumanity.org will be in there. And I just really encourage you, go back and watch this, create your checklist and start being a part of the change. Connect with us and we'll be able to there to help you as well. All right, until next time, I love you guys. Thank you for tuning into the Raw and Unscripted show. You guys are phenomenal. And always, always, always remember to stay unstoppable. I love you guys. Until next week, take care and uh, we'll see you soon.